my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, October the 15th, and excuse me, the 14th, October the 14th. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's joy. I wish you God's life today. Uh, My friends, we are going to uh, take a look, as we always do, right, Uh, at the upcoming readings for this weekend. This Sunday will be the 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Now, we're midway through, when we hit these readings this weekend, uh, we're midway through October, which means Advent, the new year, right? That, that time when we, uh, we start the, the liturgical year over. Gosh, that's only probably about five weeks away. And real soon, real soon, we're going to see a change in the tenor of the readings, particularly the Gospels, which um, are going to lead us to those kind of end of days, apocalyptic style readings. Now, we're not there yet. Although we do, gosh, we have two wonderful readings that are hard, but I'm going to invite us to read them as adults. I'm going to invite them to read uh, us to read them uh, with, with critical eyes uh, because they lead us into the mystery of prayer. All right? And with that said, so again, we're looking at the readings for the 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time. I will read the first one from the uh, New American Translation, which is the one we will hear at the Masses this weekend. The second one, I'm going to use the Word uh, translation that is Eugene, uh, or excuse me, it's the message, Eugene Peterson's translation, which I just love. And every now and then I like to throw in a new translation because it helps us see a same reading, perhaps in a new way. So uh, every now and then I, I like to bring Eugene Peterson's translation uh, in because I just think he does such a good job with it. So, okay, first reading will be Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 13. And the gospel we'll read is Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. You'll be able to see the thread, I think, pretty easily as we go through. As always, I invite you as we begin to open this word of God to settle yourself to open yourself and say, Lord, help me to grasp that word, that phrase, that idea through which you would like to speak to me today. A word, a phrase, an idea. Allow the Spirit to imprint that on your heart, okay? With that, my friends, let's break open God's word. A reading from the book of Exodus. In those days, Amalek came and waged war against Israel. Moses, therefore, said to Joshua, Pick out certain men, and tomorrow go out and engage Amalek in battle. I will be standing on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him. He engaged Amalek in battle after Moses had climbed to the top of the hill with Aaron and Hur. As long as Moses kept his hands raised up, Israel had the better of the fight. But when he let his hands rest, Amalek had the better of the fight. Moses' hands, however, grew tired. So they put a rock in place for him to sit upon. Meanwhile, Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. 
so that his hands remained steady until sunset. And Joshua mowed down Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. (laughs) I mean, that's always interesting, isn't it? When you hear, and he mowed down the enemy, you know, with the edge of the sword or whatever it said here. (laughs) Mowed down Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Ah, thanks be to God. (laughs) Well, unless you're Amalek and his people, I guess. But uh, that's neither here nor there right now, is it? The mystery of prayer, remember. Okay. So uh, this will be Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8, as translated through Eugene Peterson in his uh, Bible, The Message. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus told them a story showing that it was necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. He said there was once a judge in some city who never gave God a thought and cared nothing for people. A widow in that city kept after him. My rights are being violated. Protect me. He never gave her the time of day. But after this went on and on, he said to himself, I care nothing what God thinks, even less what people think. But because this widow won't quit badgering me, I'd better do something and see that she gets justice. Otherwise, I'm going to end up beaten black and blue by her pounding. Then the master said, Do you hear what that judge, corrupt as he is, is saying? So what makes you think God won't step in and work justice for his chosen people who continue to cry out for help? Won't he stick up for them? I assure you, he will. He will not drag his feet. But how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on the earth when he returns? My friends, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we break open these? How do we break open these readings? Again, I told you, and and I'm sure you see now, these readings invite us into the mystery of prayer. And what they do, my friends, is both the the story of Moses, right, and uh, and Amalek, and uh, Joshua battled with him, and uh, Aaron and her being up with Moses, both that story and the story that Jesus tells about the, the judge and the widow. Boy, they both invite us to gravitate and grasp a deeper truth, but yet not get caught up in the details, because if we do, we could be led in the wrong direction. Let's start with the first reading. Now here, this is, this is Exodus 17. Now this is important because the Ten Commandments don't come down uh, in Exodus until chapter 20. So we're getting close, but they're not there yet. And it was always with 
the Ten Commandments, right? The Ark of the Covenant that the Israelites went into battle with that Ark right there. And they always, well, I, I, I think I can say always, uh, were um, victorious in battle when the Ark of the Covenant was with them. And so in a sense, this is a foreshadowing of that. Moses with the staff of God, remember? This is the staff with which Moses cast it out over the Red Sea, right? The Reed Sea. And it parted ways. It parted, right? This was the staff of God that, uh, that Moses threw down, became a snake when he was dealing with Pharaoh's magicians. I mean, this staff is, this is big time. And he takes that staff of God, which in a sense shows the power of God. And he's, in a sense, holding it up, not saying, I, I, I think, again, this is where we could, we could go wrong. I don't think he's saying, listen, God uh, desires death and blood of Amalek and all his people. I think, in a sense, what it's doing is the same thing that the Ark of the Covenant will do in, in not many chapters later, is it reminds the Jewish people that God is in their midst, that the power of God is here, and the psychological edge that that gives them, right? Um, because we have to be careful here. Now, this is early on. Now, listen, the, the Jewish people, my friends, you and I need to be so thankful for them, I, unbelievably so, in, in how they... Um, invite us into our own experience even now. This is early on in their understanding of God. And, and their understanding of God in the Jewish scriptures grows and grows and grows until it's those beautiful, I mean, it, oh my gosh, they're so wonderful. They take us through Torah, the law, which is Exodus, into the, the historical writings and into the prophets, which challenge some of their older ideas of who God is and bring about these new ideas of who God is into the wisdom writings where they land in a new place. I mean, that's our story, right? That we come with these stories of God as vengeful, as God, you know, which is really our, you know, um, kind of uh, transforming or, or, or that's not the word I'm looking for, um, us taking our image of ourselves and throwing it onto God. That's really all that's happening here, is if we as a people are violent, then God must be violent. If we as a people are patriarchal, whatever it is, God must be male, and, and therefore God uh, blesses our system. Right? I mean, we throw this stuff in these immature levels of God onto God. And therefore, we're seeing some of this because remember, Scripture, just like Jesus, fully God, fully human, God did not come down and, and put a trance over the writers of Scripture, and then they just wrote, and everything is, is good. It was written through humanity, through human people in, the, in, in particular cultures, in particular moments, in particular times, with particular understandings, and they did their best to convey that image of who God was. But yet these Jewish people showed us that growth of God throughout their Scriptures, which is absolutely beautiful. And this is one of the early understandings of that. Um, so again, we have to look at that and say, okay, God doesn't desire the Egyptians to, to die in the Reed Sea any more than he desires Amalek and his people, their blood. But what it does show us is that idea of when we understand and know at a level deeper than mind, deeper than head, deeper than, than whatever that is going on up there, 
in, 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 in my heart, in my being, that I know God is with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Isn't that what Philippians tells us? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what they're experiencing right here. Okay, okay, that's, that's prayer image number one. Prayer image number two, say the danger with Jesus' parable, again, any, I'm going to use Richard Rohr's, you know, um, metaphor here, and I love it because I think it's right. Any finger pointing to the moon, you know, if we're going to look at the finger, I mean, any, any story that we're going to use, any, any parable, any, any image of God we use is always going to fall short because it's not the moon itself, right? God in God's magnanimity, in God's ineffable uh, being, is beyond our characterizations and is beyond our stories. And so clearly is even beyond Jesus's image in these simple parables. So don't get caught up and say, okay, God is the judge here. You know, do we have to be like this? You know, is that the moral of the gospel? The moral of the story is, you know, Paul says, pray without ceasing. And Jesus is using that very image in this, uh, in this parable. And so therefore we have to be, um, constantly badgering God because we want justice and we want what is right and we got to badger God because we know what's better in a sense for this world than God does and that God needs to be peppered and that God needs to have it brought forward and begrudgingly give it to us. That's the danger with which we can uh, fall. That's the trap into which we can fall in this parable, right? Because it sets up an image for us that God is reluctant and that we, in a sense, have the high moral ground. Because that judge, judge is no prize here, right? So how do we understand this? Well, again, my, I'm, I'm going to interpret the, the parable differently. And I'm not saying this is how Jesus intended it. And I want you to know that my interpretation is going to have holes too. The truth of where Jesus is taking us is always correct. Always. Always listen to that truth beyond mine. What Jesus is saying in terms of the power of prayer is always correct. In terms of the idea that we pray without ceasing. That Jesus says, and then Paul takes in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians, says the same thing, right? Pray without ceasing. That's what we got to do. But the image I'm going to invite us into to ponder in this parable when we hear it uh, this weekend, when we hear it in future days, is to not see God as judge and we as the, the widow, but instead the exact opposite, that we are the judge and that God is the widow, and that we are the ones in this, in a sense, quote-unquote, position of power, because God, in giving us this wonderful gift of free will, um, uh, God can go uh, and, and God's magnanimity and his, his power and his essence uh, can go as far and as close to us, let me say it that way, as close to us as I can extend my arm out and put my, my hand out in a stop position. Because God, in God's great grace and graciousness, will not uh, violate our free will if we choose not to. And so we, in a sense, Hold that power, if I can use that terminology. I don't even like that terminology with God. But it is God who repeatedly comes before us and reminds us of justice. 
And God, in this image of the hound of heaven, that repeatedly comes after us and chases us um, with these, uh, with our conscience, praise be to God, right? That reminds us, I mean, we know what is good and right and holy. And we simply try to forget it. Because again, I've got no fear of God. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm, I'm using the words of the judge here. Or, or other people, you know? Goodness sakes, I wanted everything to be about me. That's certainly what the judge wanted. Yet this widow sees injustices happening and continues to bring it. Brothers and sisters, there are injustices happening all around us. You and I know this. We simply have to open our eyes to it. Which goes back to what? That gospel two, three weeks ago? Help me to see. Help me to see the very injustices that are all around me. And then give me the strength, which was the gospel the, the next week, to not expect you to do it, God, but I'm going to wait on the table. You're not going to wait on me. I'm not sitting down and saying, I've done all my work. you you got to do the work now. But, but Lord... You come to me and until I break down and finally say, you're right, God, you're right, there are injustices, and I have to do something about that. If we think about the mystery of prayer, and again, prayer is beyond me, and I suspect it's beyond you too. The mystery of prayer, brothers and sisters, if we look at Jesus, did Jesus constantly go to the Father and say, Lord, give me this, give me that, give me the other thing? I mean, we see what Jesus did. Luke's gospel, great example, right? Uh, before Jesus is baptized. It says Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, um, came up out of it, and was in prayer when the heavens opened and the Spirit came down upon him like a dove, right? That was the effects of prayer, is he knew he was the beloved one. Or another example, you know, it says Jesus is always going off on his own. Uh, I, I mean, Jesus was in prayer up on the mountain of transfiguration and the fullness of Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets were opened up to him. Um, Jesus was in prayer and he came back and he picked out the 12 apostles. I mean, in a sense, my, my friends, Jesus was in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, take this cup away from me, but not my will be done but yours. The idea of prayer is not that we hound God for something and that God reluctantly gives and that we want. And, and when Paul says and Jesus says pray without ceasing, that that's what we're doing, hounding God, and we're just going to keep doing, you know, more rosaries and novenas until this happens. Listen, nothing wrong with rosaries and novenas. But what we're inviting in those novenas and in those rosaries is a pliable spirit that God as as widow, persistent widow, can enter in and break through into us. And our spirit becomes pliable to do God's will. So we open ourselves to understand the wisdom, and, and I won't say the fullness, but the, the idea of the height, the length, the breadth, and the depth of God. Then we may say yes to that. Brothers and sisters, our God is the hound of heaven. Our God is the persistent widow. And what our God invites us to do is take down that arm's length with our hands, you know, um, in that 90-degree position saying halt, to put those arms down and say, come, Lord Jesus, uh, not my will be done, but yours. 
to, to, to take time to spend in prayer. Prayer is not necessarily something we do, my friends, although it is. But in a sense, prayer is that idea where we become, as best we can, that image of God, that receptacle, you know, that, that, that open receptacle that, that Mary was, right? That says, yes, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to your will. That's what prayer invites us into. That God is always on our side. God is always urging us forward beyond whatever immature images we have of him right now. We, and, and gosh, I even use him right there. God is always beyond us. What this invites us into is to enter into that dance, enter into that dialogue, uh, to know God more fully in our being, and, uh, and to take down those walls so that God can be all God needs to be within you and within me. Okay? Let's pray. And so we're on the glorious mysteries, my friends. And so let us begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The first glorious mystery, Jesus rises from the dead. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. 
O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My friends, bless you. Have a wonderful week. May we be women and men of prayer. Be well.